All right, and welcome to the Dicey Screen Podcast, oh. coming at you recorded. Oh, yeah, we're right into it. Yeah, we're recorded live, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, we totally missed last week, so screw us, that man. Was, that was a thing. It totally happened. Uh, yeah, we Sunday. just totally dropped the ball on that one. Pulling double shifts just of late. Uh, well, you know, you know, but I'm not going to go into great detail. We're here. But this is totally happening anyway. We're back on track. Yeah, we're here for you, and we hope you missed our absence, and uh, or if you didn't, well, we're... <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fonder, uh, or or in this case, makes it thankful. I yeah, mean, it makes your ears heal up, so... <laughs> makes them feel better about the mysterious odor of gaming podcasts. That's us. Yeah, but, wow, in the mysterious odor. You don't know what it is, but you definitely know that <laughs> it's probably not good. <laughs> is that a mouse that died under the floorboards or, or did somebody like leave a dead fish in the trunk of your car on a hot weekend <laughs> by the god all right yeah so we're that guy and uh we're here with some topic tonight so with you for some topic we've got some call-ins so from our last one uh talking about the uh hidden temple of oh, the resident forgotten. forgotten yeah we forget hidden he sees yeah that's right doing guys always on us we we had a we had a little mistitled thing where, but yeah, it's the forgotten. And I mean, let, let's be kind to ourselves. We forgot. You so. did. <laughs> but we're not the only ones. Jason uh, wanted to give it. us a few thoughts about that. So we're going to turn it right over to him and then get into some topic for you. So take it away, Jason. Hey guys, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, I'm in the car here. I don't have it in front of me, but I enjoyed your comments on your last episode, the Lost Caverns, or no, Lost Temple. Anyway, you know the one you you just reviewed, and it was interesting. I've never played that scenario or, or jammed it. I'm sure I've read it at some point, forgotten about it, but I appreciate your thoughtful comments on Gygax and, and how maybe he was a little, missil- you know, giving a little bit of a short shrift there, but I enjoyed it, and I will talk to you guys later. All right, everybody, that was Jason from... Nerds RPG Variety podcast, and uh, he gave us some kind of muddled thoughts on like the same thing we were the forgotten, the hidden, the yeah, yeah that one place where Thrasden was once worshipped. Yeah, it's a forgotten module, and you know, despite the the crazed title, it has a bit of a nom a little bit of a notoriety of being kind of one of those modules that just never got played a whole lot, and not a lot of people seen. Or knew about it, I guess. They saw it, but a few people played it. So, if you I, get a chance, check it out. I had it back in the day, uh, a long time ago. And, you know, I did not think ill of it. I, I thought it was, you know, I, I still think it was a terrific module that was well thought out and interesting. Uh, just, you know, that whole cusp era where uh, so many new things so much new material was working its way into the game yeah so yeah i'm, I'm still a big fan of that one totally on uh, board with uh, that guy gax got a little bit of a short shrift on the credits to that because i think it's one of his better modules it definitely has the two layers in there and for people who say it's anticlimactic at the end i can definitely get on board with that but i can also see that there was potential for the future and i think the real shame is we never got to see that future so well yeah if that timeline's still around i'd like to transfer over to that one i'm just putting my uh certificate to leave this timeline the stupidest timeline and going <laughs> to the next uh timeline because i think that one would be a little smarter 
<laughs> right, at least I'm taking on that. Maybe maybe I might have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, Skynet or something like that, actually. Oh, jeez. Yeah, let's hope not. Yeah. Yeah. This is how Maximum Overdrive started. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to cut right into it here. So, um, as always, thank you for your thoughts and inputs. And please, please uh, call in if you have any questions or concerns, because we like to go over them. And we like to hear from you folks out there what you think about what we're doing. Because, you know, we work in head pats and uh, uh, thumbs ups and likes. So, that's that's what we're paid in. I work for Cheese Dip. Mm. Much like Gru the Barbarian. Well, that's a very noteworthy an and honorable profession to follow. <laughs> working for Cheese Dip. All right. So, yeah, so we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break for uh, a little station identification to paying the bills, playing the commercial, insert commercial here, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back at you. Coming. Recorded. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're okay. live right now, but by the time you hear us, it, you know, I don't know. I could be dead. Oh. Yeah. You know, you never know. Only from exhaustion. Uh, you know. Oh, man. Well, it is that season. So, nonetheless, what's our topic for tonight? It's Topic Tuesday, so normally bring a topic. And we were batting one around back and forth here, just kind of chewing the fat as well, catching up on some stuff. And then we found out, well, there's a topic that we haven't covered and we threatened for a long time. It's called Boot Hill. Oh, oh, yeah. And I just, <laughs> boy, uh, cinch up your saddle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of dead character sheets up on Boot Hill. Yes. Even in the wind. <laughs> <clears throat> there's a there's a lot of people inhabiting Boot Hill. More than you would normally think. So what is Boot Hill? Well, uh, TSR in the Welcome early Welcome to the earliest days of TSR's publications other yep. than D&D. Yeah, they were trying definitely to get out and branch out quickly. Uh, there was Fight in the Skies or... Uh, Dawn Patrol, as it was known at the time. Yeah, World War One uh, aircraft combat simulation. Uh, yeah, kind of. You created character stats for it. But anyway, yeah. back on, on that another day. What uh, Boot Hill uh, what came out in that time, um, possibly the second? Yeah, I want to say second real role-playing game. But this one was still kind of proto-role-playing, so it didn't make much of a sense, and it got a revision right off the bat. Yeah, about I, two years later. I am going to candidly admit that it was rolled out in a very awkward shape. Uh, you know, the, the game itself was a little unwieldy and hard to grasp if you were kind of a neophyte early player. Uh, but it did something that yeah, nobody had... To, uh, was there another game where you play a bunch of cowboys in the Old West? I think not. Gunfighters. So somebody had to do it first, and... By God, TSR did. Yeah, they came out with one. And the reason why it's kind of a proto-role-playing game because it's more of a gunfighting experience. It's more based on stance and, you know, sun at your back sort of thing. Yeah, that does factor in there. It's on the charts, actually. But, <laughs> you know, it's um, draw an iron at high noon. And, of course, that does lead us to a little bit of homage to Deadlands, but we're not going to speak of it much on there. Boot Hill was primarily... Just straight up gunfighting. It was a gunfighting simulation where I think it was the second edition started putting stats of the gunfighters who were like uh, John Wayne and uh, oh, who played Shane? Shame on me. Is that was that Steve McLean? No, uh, Shane was uh, 
Allen. Uh, son of a gun. No. I, I'm having a little bit of difficulty remembering his name, but it was Alan something or another. Right. And uh, I'm sure somebody will call it. He was us. comparatively, you know, short as as people went in real life, but uh, uh, he's very well remembered. Anyway, the, he was in there. Um, Steve McQueen, the Magnificent Seven were in there, so you could have those stats. Just roll them out. Player characters, Paul, like they were you know, running roughshod over Doc a player. Holiday. Uh, you know the. No, they had the movie actors. Oh, really? Yeah, they had the movie actor section in that one, where it was no. all movie actors versus actual stats for real or historical figures. And I say real <laughs> with the air quotes. So you, you think your hot stuff is a bounty hunter until you come up against the real Billy the Kid. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit more, I don't know, subjective. But yeah, I thought it was always fun that you had the Magnificent Seven statted out. And so you could just, oh. you know, your players were getting too big for their britches. These guys come up and uh, show you what for for a plate of beans. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the point being that the game was very combat heavy. Boot Hill, in its early and later incarnations, uh, retained a dedication to being a conflict-driven game. This, admittedly, you know, you, you have a little bit of plot, a reason to go from here, a reason to go to there. Uh, you know, be it uh, nice fat payout in the terms of bounties or the uh, offer of a job if you, you know, like you get shares if you accomplish this goal for some benefactor. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it could be shadowy, could be honorable. You don't know. Uh, depends on the players. But the one concurring theme that runs all the way through Boot Hill is this is not going to be pretty. Uh, this is there will be blood. <laughs> well, more appropriately, you know, it's what the game master wants to come up with. If you're town tamers or you're just uh, uh, people working to uh, be outlaws or whatever, that was you and you up to your you and your game master to play. They gave several scenarios: uh, deeds to mines and uh, gold panning and dry gulching and all the stuff that was made for notorious gunfighters throughout the old west. But it was really more of a simulation. And that was where it came from, and that's where most of the additions went with it. They kept more or less the same rules. With hit locations, your speed, your accuracy, cover. And, you know, if you stood out in the middle of the street and blazed away with a six-shooter, you were probably going to die. So the other thing was uh, crying your eyes out with a double-barreled sawed-off shotgun and assassinating the first character to walk through your line of fire. <laughs> now, there was a lot to be said in Boot Hill for taking cover. Uh, for those who have ever seen the really old version of the movie, The OK Corral, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my darling Clementine, uh, you know, the, um, the OK Corral, it's a lengthy gunfight between two large groups of people. And a great deal of taking cover and looking for advantageous positions to open fire from takes place. It doesn't just, you know, we meet in the street at high noon and just shoot it out until everybody's dead. No, no, no. Uh, You you got people hunkered in here and there everywhere with rifles, pistols, what have you, uh, taking pot shots at every opportunity. And, you know, honestly, uh, the, the one who's luckiest while keeping their wits about them, uh, usually is, you know, 
the the final survivor. Uh, but yeah, that that's a the spirit of Boot Hill is alive in that game. Yeah, because if you go in playing the game. Uh, and there's a Knights of the Dinner Table strip. They call it Cattle Punk, but they keep yes. rolling up characters. Like, like I'm wearing my, uh, you know, I brought a hundred character sheets. I'm almost at the end of it. Jeez, I'm just gonna have to buy a new ream of character sheets next week. You know, what, what gives? Yeah, how did people in the Old West survive? Ba, this makes no sense. Everybody just dies all the time. Well, Mostly, yeah, maybe you shouldn't stand out in the middle of the street. <laughs> And, it's a good way to catch lead poisoning, son. Yeah. <laughs> so you learned real quick at Boot Hill. Stink you, Watkins in the Dirt Valley, boys. Ride again. This time for vengeance. No. No. Stop. <laughs> yeah, and you would learn real quick that having a duel in the middle of the street is one thing between two hard asses who need to settle a score. And... Unless, you know, you were ready to go to the mat, you didn't start a fight like that. And most fights started, like they did in historical times, over an imagined slight or insult with groups of people trying to confront each other and then scattering, taking advantage of cover, even darkness or the environment. And then the fight continues until one side decides that they've had enough, run out of ammunition, or have, you know... in Incurred, afflicted enough casualties or incurred enough casualties on their side to leave. So there was also the morale effect. Some people didn't have a steady nerve and that was represented in the rules. Like sometimes you could call somebody out and, you know, that was the other role playing mechanic that was kind of innovative at the time is you could actually use your nerve, your cool or your uh, metal, however you wanted to call it. They had different uh, stats for it through the uh, four editions that it saw. And um, the, excuse me, we have a cat, Itis, interrupt us. Cat likes to get up on table while we're podcasting, so unfortunately. Huge fans. Yeah, he's a big fan of the show, and, uh, you know, but he's rather silent. He doesn't have much to add. He likes walking in front of the mic. But the other problem is, is that this mechanic also led to people freezing during combat if you didn't make your metal roll, which could be particularly hilarious if you were found yourself suddenly in the middle of a firefight and there's bullets going to you side to side and all your character does is lay down, which didn't seem very heroic to some players, but here you are. Yeah, your nerve breaks and you just go to duck and cover mode. Like, yipes, I'm hiding behind the bar until the worst of this is over. So why? Did, what does this matter? Well, it because it, it actually kind of takes a place when, you know, some of these guys in the post- Civil War era, during the uh, big open-range wars that they had, some of these guys were military veterans. And yes, they had a lot of cool and aplomb, but a lot of other guys were just plain mean. John Wesley Harden, a good example of just a man who was a psychopath and a killer. Had no qualms about ending someone's life for whatever reasons. So he was a bad man, and you just didn't, didn't want to cross him lightly. And that also is reflected in the rules. The reputation, the more kills you get, has a double-edged sword. It means that people won't fight with you, but it also means that you draw people that want that challenge. So the more successful your character is, you also have the potential to constantly be exposed to more and more combat, a.k.a. also the Billy the Kid, the reluctant gunfighter who now just wanders off at the end of the movie. Shame. Or my name is nobody with old Henry Fonda and... uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Terrence... Williams. Uh, No, it was Terrence. Wasn't Terrence... But you should. Terrence, uh, Terrence something. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a little uh, shy on facts, so. Well, I'm, I'm just having a little name trouble today. Yeah, I'm, me I'm too. unusually tired, but uh, 
the the same Terrence who was in the Trinity movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any case, uh, there was an intimidation factor that came with a curse. Uh, not to mention, usually, a huge bounty on your head and any number of people who would rather shoot you from behind and by surprise than face you in the street. Uh, so, you know, uh, fame and uh, uh, a fearful reputation, it's not always your ally in Boot Hill, but as a game master tool, oh, wonderful. Lots of opportunities for... Yep, you go into a town, you just don't want to cause any trouble, you just want to get some water, get a few supplies for you and your horse and move on. And suddenly find yourself, you know... The subject of many people's attention. Now, of course, as Mike mentions, bounties. Yeah, being a law outlaw was an option. It wasn't a class. It was just consequences of your actions. And so you could also be a lawman. And there were what rules were there for being a lawman? Well, you simply were. But you were expected to abide by certain codes. Surrender when people surrendered. You were expected, rooster cobbler, <laughs> take note here, to give them quarter and try to make an attempt to bring them in. Yeah, especially Even... if there were witnesses that might, uh, <laughs> that, uh, might uh, contradict your tale of events. Now, uh, mind you, if it's just your character and that outlaw out there in the middle of the wilderness, uh, if it's just between you and him and the rattlesnakes, then uh, whatever happened, happened. But uh, Boot Hill did not have a lot of statistical differences. Okay, It's not like it was a class-based system. Uh, it really was kind of a, a proto-skill-based system yeah. where what made you unique is what you decided to do with the skills you had. And, and I highly they, approved of that. There was basically just gunfighting, riding, and at first, I think, uh, yeah, there was cool, you're cool. Was that what it was called? Yeah, it was called cool. Sorry. Um, it's been a long time since I've cracked the spinal rule book of that one. Um, <laughs> oh, but it is a beloved topic. Yeah, and... You know, you had to roll that, and if you made all those rolls and you drew out accurately in the first, on the highest initiative, got those three down, you had your nerve with you, you drew first, and you were accurate, and sometimes you could take time and aim, even if you got first, you could just take that little extra segment out and aim, because you got certain actions on those, um, you got a certain amount of actions in a round from what, 2 to 12, and you'd count up. And so you might have an action on two, three, four, uh, six, and eight. And, you know, obviously the higher the, it goes on, the less effective you are. But the point was is that you could take those first two and ain't draw and aim. And then fire on four. Boy, man, you got definitely got a return off of that one. And that's why it was so freaking lethal. The one who usually got the first draw and took the, their time. Yeah, this was a game that had no armor value, per se, okay? You were essentially just people in clothes. Uh, you know, that the best you could hope for was to take cover uh, and have an advantageous position, uh, or to be the first one to fire in a gunfight, hopefully against an opponent that is not as accurate as you are under pressure. Uh, but since the players have no idea what the statistics are for their opponents... Yeah, there's a, there's a hesitation factor. Like, oh, yeah, you, everybody's kind of equal, and they did play to the axiom that God created all men equal. And Sam Colt mm-hmm. uh, ensured that that <laughs> they remained that remained way. that way. Yeah. Exactly, and so 
yeah, you, your body factor, your body value did determine a little bit how you resist the damage, but nobody was coming back from a... a uh, sighted grandmother with a shotgun uh, can do as much harm to you uh, as the deadliest gunfighters of the age. <laughs> yep, and of course, the most lethal thing is the barkeeper with the sawed-off double-barreled shotgun filled with silver, or silver dimes. Oh, God! Red Gertie Pickens! Nope, I... Yeah, he'll shoot you right in the back, because he has no shame. <laughs> it was also... But they covered rules. Hootman! Later, they would cover rules for cattle, rustling, doing various crimes, what this would incur, what the penalties were for being wanted. And, yeah, being an outlaw, walking the outlaw path is no easy road. And... <sighs> That game was merciless on two accounts. The other count was the third edition had weather rules. And, yeah, you found yourself alone, undersupplied, during a quick turn of the weather, especially the coldest parts in a mountain. Your character had a chance to just to die. That's it. <laughs> that That's all there was. It was, okay, did you live? Yeah. Okay. We're, we're holding a Donner party. I'm getting out of this. I don't care about the rest of you. It didn't matter what you did. You just died. <laughs> you know, like the old Oregon Trail meme comes to mind. I carve open big ticks and hide inside him from the, <laughs> oh, from the snow. Yeah, you probably... I taunt on him. Oh, well. <laughs> might want to do that to his horse. <laughs> you don't want to look too sickly when you're near my character. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, yeah, the, what, the environment rules, especially for the cold and the uh, thirst rules, dying of thirst. Wow. Yeah, just no wonder they called it cattle punk in uh, uh, Nights of the Dinner Table because it did have that angst. Like, just, it doesn't matter what you do, man. You just Everywhere you go, there's just death. You're just going to yeah. die. Now, if you happen to have read a lot of Zane Grey novels, then you've got your DM material right yeah. there. Like uh, stories like Wine in the Desert. Mm -hmm. Oh, classic. Uh, you know, and a lot of great lessons in those Zane Grey novels. Like, never pick a fight with seven men when all you're carrying is a six-shooter. Exactly. <laughs> they, and that leads to the point of care of the game kind of narrates itself because you can watch a lot of westerns and garner stuff from, you know, even just traveling as a state, the proverbial stagecoach movie. Oh, sure. Perennial, I should say, not proverbial, but it does have the perennial trappings of being a little bit of a trope. And the stagecoach movie itself, you know, lends itself to kind of the ideal. You have various strangers coming together, and now they're all in one place, and so they're trapped, or more or less the plot is moving, and they go and have these adventures and move on and encounters. And everybody's there. You don't have to have a contrived reason. You know, you're just a banker traveling to San Francisco or you're so-and-so going here. And so you have a good way of getting your characters together, getting a plot started, and just starting the openings of a game. Now, of course, the stagecoach drivers probably should be uh, player characters, but you never know about that. And also, you know, you can have people drift in and out of a game pretty easily, kind of like in Gunsmoke. So it's a pretty intuitive game. And it works really well. It doesn't take much to extemporize in Boot Hill. Uh, there are so many tropes, because uh, particularly here in the United States, uh, it's a, our culture and folklore, our movies, film, and books are ripe with examples of, you know, cowboy era uh, 
Oh. Well, from a lot of adventures. And that's, one, that's one of the uh, condemnations of the early editions. Like, there wasn't much to go on, and you kind of have to look around. And one of the jokes was, like, yeah, just turn the TV on at any uh, time and place, and you're going to find a Western movie playing. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, there you go. There's your inspiration material. But it was kind of assumed that people understood what it was about. And later, Western role-playing games, although not a really big genre in the RPG market, start to approach the fact that there's a whole lifestyle that, well, unless you're a history nerd, it's kind of lost on you. The the art of the uh, cattle puncher and drover is really a tough one and i've got a an old mentor of mine a long time ago told me the story of uh his departure uh to go out west uh by working as a cowboy on a cattle train that it was a big cattle drive and they were you know going west and uh kid you not you know he told me how he had grown up on westerns uh, and, you know, uh, cool cowboy movies, and just thought this was going to be the greatest thing ever, and was quickly disabused of the notion, like, uh, that is the worst job I ever did in my entire life. You stink, it's hot, you're thirsty, you're tired, you never rest, you're constantly on the move. And cows are incredibly stupid. <laughs> and tough. Yeah, I mean, they're very hard. It's very hard to get it through to them that you want something from them and then to further get them to give a crap that you want something <laughs> from them. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it's you and your horse as a team, and that's the other thing. So there's some romance about it, but it doesn't make it an exciting role-playing game. What no. makes an exciting role-playing game is going into a strange town and figuring out what's going on. Then, almost as with the great Clint Eastwood movie, uh, Unforgiven. Oh, well, I was actually going to go oh, for... Oh, Pale Rider. Uh, no, I was actually going to go for the man with no name. Or a few dollars more. Yeah, for a few dollars. Just, yeah. Oh. Yeah, all right. All the Okay, we go back to the early spaghetti westerns. Uh, I was going to Everybody say likes that, Clint Eastwood, but nobody talks about Lee Van Cleef. All right, crime uh, is done. No. Whatever happened to Lee, Lee Van, Van Cleef? Cleef? I know, yeah. but nobody ever talks about him. No, uh, you can definitely hijack some great material from the early spaghetti westerns uh, featuring Clint Eastwood. Uh, but I but recommend Unforgiven be... if you if you want to go really vicious as a DM. You know, players come to town trying to pick up the bounty and Sheriff Little Bill ain't having none of it. Oh my gosh, uh, th- that game is going to get dark in a heartbeat. It just, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, Gene Hackman can be that way. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Unforgiven is fine. And there's a number of them. Also, Pale Rider is kind of where there is some spooky Western. And, of course, then we get into your fantasy Western pastiches and mixes. So We've already talked about Deadlands, but uh, DM's Guide has Six Gun and Sorcery. You know, what about that old Dutchman mine and some strange critters coming out of it? What's really oh, behind sure. there? And so your um, partners and cowpokes go into the mine, and they come into a fantasy world with crazy creatures and strange stories that no one will ever believe. El Chupacabra is out there. It's more than the El Chupacabra. That's a boule. Oh, yeah. Boule, boule. Okay. Uh, Well, man, that would make a rough encounter for the Old West. (laughs) But... Tremors. Oh, 
Oh, even better. Yeah, Tremors with uh, Fred Ward and uh, I forget who the uh, the younger person in it was, but in any case, Gabe, Kevin Bacon. I think so. Yes. Yes, it was Kevin, Kevin. Bacon and Fred Ward uh, in Tremors. But you can make your West weird without actually having to break down and go full Deadlands. You know, you can always go with the original West and then throw a little curveball into it. If you're willing to sit down, stat something out, and port it over from a fantasy campaign. Uh, and now, this may sound a little weird, but let's also remember that in the first edition of the DM Guide, as I have so often probably harped on this more than a few times over the years, uh, there is a segment called Six Guns and Sorcery, uh, which was specifically about splicing together Old West or Boot Hill type gaming with fantasy gaming. Like, how do you, you know, do a mashup and have both things happening at the same time? Like, you know, your player characters stumble through a wormhole and they show up in a place where magic doesn't work at all. Or, who knows, maybe it does. Uh, but they're up against people armed with, uh, you know, gunpowder weapons. How do you negotiate that as a DM? And the fact that the DM Guide, in its first incarnation, had that information tells you how much the early designers intended for players to go out and write their own material, experiment, and do weird stuff. They knew it was going to happen, and they encouraged it. Oh, which is one of the things I loved about D&D right from the get-go. The sky was the limit. Well, right, and, you know, having a command to boot hill, and it's not a really hard system, but it is kind of abstract in the way it does certain things, deriving its combat values and accuracy. Your weapons do make a difference, but not really all that much in the scheme of things. Of course, getting shot with at point-blank range with a double-barrel shotgun. Yeah, there was no one surefire way to guarantee victory in Boot Hill. Okay, you were always at risk. And I respect this about the original editions of the game. You know, it just... Uh, you could have a slight advantage based on the quality of your gear and the strength of a couple of your skills. You could have an advantage but it guaranteed you nothing. <laughs> so, a lot of a lot of torn up character sheets. Right, and, you know, more to the point, uh, Boot Hill was a fun game, and with the right type of game master and players, it makes for a very intriguing Old West uh, scenario builder, because you can build off of, you know, guys come across a shipment of lost gold or silver from some armory or some other cash from... Bank robbers is one of the, uh, I think it's a Mad Mesa. A starving Mesa. hermit came down out of the mountains and he spoke of El Dorado. Okay. Yeah. That's an, that's yeah. another one. But in this case, you know, recovering a cache of gold and silver from the uh, adjoining country and Mexico. And now this is the MacGuffin and everybody wants to, the guys who, the outlaws from uh, New Mexico are looking for their ca part of the uh, cash that they hid here. And you've taken it. Now you're moving in. And it sort of comes uh, off as old, no, no country, country for, for old, old men. And you get exactly where I was going with that. That's how easy the stories can be built in Boot Hill because you don't need to come up with a lot of game balance. You don't have to worry about where it came from, all you have to worry about is where the story is going next. 
And just building on that makes it really easy. Now, of course, maybe there's not a lot of rules, and it's easy for a game master to pull out persuasion and gambling rules that came out in some other supplements and other things. Oh, and honestly, uh, you know... You can add on I, to I'm it. I'm going to throw out the straight-up option that if you know how to play a game of poker, play an actual game of poker. Yeah, that's what they suggested you know? right out of the rules. Yeah, and, you know, there's no reason you have to, oh, we're going to convert this to die sixes and just hope that somebody wins. You can do that if you want to speed through the session and like, okay, you win at gambling. Or you can actually, you know, get the chips out and play for stakes and, you know... Uh, the DM, of course, may have to play several different people, but, uh, you know, players versus DM uh, in a actual game of poker. <laughs> well, yeah, and as long as you can carry that out and keep it going for a while, sure. If you dare. You know, I would say that in that case, you'd play, you would play out several uh, small hands representing an entire night devoted to the poker game and, you know, kind of abstract it a little bit in the time, but also have the winnings mean much more. Oh, yeah, especially if you're trying to get somebody indebted to you <laughs> or you really don't want to be indebted to somebody. Like, you know, you, you don't want to owe $20 to somebody that you don't want to owe a nickel to. Right, um, but that does also put in there the difference between player skill versus character skill. So that's another thing to look at, but we'll cover that topic another time. Let's just say that Boot Hill is near and dear to our heart because it was a not just a diversion, but it was a look at something that kind of actually happened in our nation's history. And although much glorified and looked back with uh, layers of nostalgia, it was dangerous. It was hard to live. Disease, infection, of course, not part of the core rules per se, but a skillful game master is never daunted by such things. The idea also that, you know, uh, towns were not necessarily uh, sanitary, and also, the water supply was always in doubt in certain parts of the Southwest. You know, you you had to really measure out what, how much water you took in, water discipline, can't keeping the canteen closed when you should be keeping your eyes on the horizon. Flash flood. <laughs> the arroyo is full. And then going up into the mountains and getting frozen to death. Yeah, that, that it that, happened that all the dog sure on time. Was- yeah, that gold sure was tempting, but there's an awful lot of skulls, uh, you know, a lot, awful lot of bones up there in the hills uh, from people chasing gold. Uh, Alaska is littered with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's been a pleasure to mention uh, Boot Hill because, honestly, uh, our earliest experiments with a game other than D&D, included Boot Hill. Yeah, that was more grounded in reality. Oh, you know, we we lost a few characters on that one. It was it was a change of pace because we had gotten used to campaign play and working with a team and being able to intervene and keep a character from dying uh, via magic and other things like that. Boot Hill had no such thing. It was like, whoa, I should have prepped, like, Three characters for tonight. So there was there was a learning yeah, curve. Yeah, there was a learning curve. Well, we had a great time doing it. When we started to learn, hey, moving in combat and seeking out cover makes you live longer to kill the bad guys. Yeah, that's I, how it's done. I had a very tough time with that. I, just a total blockhead here. I just <laughs> He wants to stand out and give two guns action. I'm over there with the rifle hiding. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's how you fight. Yeah, what's that six shooter for when they get close? Because I'll still have six rounds. You on the other end, I got to reload. Okay, well, each bullet takes a segment. <laughs> yeah, reloading was a major factor in Boot Hill, too. They were not kidding about that. Uh, to give it to the folks at TSR, uh, they put as much time and effort into it as they could. Uh, they really thought about the physical mechanics of breaking down, like, moment-by-moment moment action into a manageable format that mm-hmm. could be dealt with in-game. And it did give you kind of a feel of what it's like to be in a gunfight. And the fact that, you know, there's more than just drawing out and rolling to hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, quite a bit more, actually. You know, it, it was a more convoluted process, uh, which meant slightly less approachable rules, okay? It was a little tougher uh, not as a learning curve for the expectation of survival, but as a learning curve for uh, mastering a rule set. Uh, it was a somewhat more challenging game to to master the rules for than yeah. D&D proper. But it was well worth the time. No regrets. All right, I think we'll corral that one up there, partner, and uh, call it a day. We'll, we'll mosey on out of here. Right, we've used your good listening and patience long enough. So <laughs> We've beaten the dead horse. <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe sometime... i got nothing to ride out of here on. Uh, I'd like to end it, so maybe sometime we'll regale you with uh, some ideas about a uh, more true-to-life Western, since I'm that old history guy, um, and Mike is a well-read hombre on his own right. Uh, we are the literary Ettons of gaming podcasting. Yeah, so... Uh, as well as the mysterious odor of gaming podcasting. Yes, yeah, so, so, yeah, the we, mysterious We have odor. dual so honorifics. If you're interested, or if you have any comments or questions about tonight's podcast, yeah, hey, just uh, feel free to drop by on Anchor, download that app, and just leave us a message. Or you can get a hold of us on our Facebook page at The Dice Are Screaming. Or you can get a hold of us on Twitter, even. Yeah, we are we inhabit the Twitter sphere, so you can tweet at us on Twitter, me at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H A N D Gaming. And myself at Magi Vox, M A G I V O X. And always, we appreciate you listening and sticking around with us, and hope you'll tune in next time. We'll be back on Friday, so stick around for that. Until then, may, may the, the dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs>